0: morning, I want to teach on uh, the subjects that I have called Alone with God. In other words, I'm speaking on the benefits of separating yourself from people in order just to spend time with God alone. And this is most beneficial Um, when it is also accompanied with or a fast. And since we're on a 21-day fast, what I'm speaking to is for people to understand that during these 21 days, even if it is for eight hours a week, right, or for a day, or periodically, uh, pull yourself away or pull away from people and go apart by yourself, to spend the time with God in prayer to hear God on the issues in your life. Now, first of all, I want to start out by explaining the powerful connection between um, the Holy Spirit and fasting. Uh, the connection between the Holy Spirit and fasting and the fact that it is when we go on fast and consciously and intentionally uh, separate ourselves unto God in a fast, that's where the ministry of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us now begins to kick in and its effect is mightily seen. Or his effect, rather, is mightily seen. Now, I'll start from reading from the book of Matthew chapter 9. I just want to use some scriptures to lay a foundation on verse 14. Here, Jesus begins to talk about the necessity of fasting. And what happened was, uh, the disciples of John came to Jesus. Now, I'm saying this because a lot of people say and believe that, you know, because of the finished work of Jesus, uh, there is no real reason again to fast. That fasting was done, you know, to try to please God and get him to do something. But now, since all things have been done in Christ Jesus, all we are just to do is just to receive it, and there's really no need uh, for fasting. Now but that contradicts even the lifestyle of the writer and the one who brought the revelation of the finished work of Jesus into the earth, Paul himself. For Paul was very clear about it. He said, in his practice, fastings often. He was listing out the things through which he had distinction as an apostle. And he said, in fastings often. In other words, he fasted often. And he wasn't talking about forced hunger, stri- forced uh, situations where you are forced to go without food. That's hunger. He said, in hunger and in thirst. And then he went on and says, and then in fastings often. In other words, he distinguished between. All right in weariness and painfulness and watching in hunger and thirst so that is you are in a shipwreck and you are going without food but here it says and in or in fastings often he didn't talk about hunger and thirst often he said in fastings often so that's intentional where a man decides to separate himself unto God now you can't say that the person who brought the revelation of the finished work now at the same time is not again, all right, he's now practicing uh, the art of fasting there. So when we look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, then came the disciples of John unto him. Uh, So the disciples of John uh, came to Jesus Christ, and the disciples of John came to him saying that, look, we fast often, Uh, the the Pharisees also fast often, Uh, but we've noticed that your own disciples will not even miss one meal. And they said, but the disciples fast not at all. Uh, Anytime there's food, we see them there. All right? They call a party and they are eating. The plate is full. And then Jesus said to them, there's a reason why. He said, can the children of the bride chamber mourn? Now, note that word mourn, because the word mourn is also used in Scripture interchangeably with the word fast. And I'll show that. So when the Bible says, Jesus said, blessed are those that mourn. He was talking about intentionally going into a fast. He said, the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken. In other words, when I am taken from them, in that day, they shall fast. So he now changed it to fast there from mourning. So he says, in that day, they shall. Not they might, but they shall. In other words, it's a must. And when will that happen? In the days when the bridegroom is taken away from them. That is when I am no longer around. So he's speaking about the church age. And then he went on and said that after I'm gone, verse 16, all right, it goes on and says, no man putteth a new piece of cloth into an old garment for that which is, which is put in to fill it up, taketh from the garment and the rent is made what? And then he said, neither do men put new wine into, old wine into old bottles else the bottles break and the wine runneth. The bottles perish, but they put new wine into new bottles and both are preserved. Now, so also use the phrase, use the new wine. And when you talk about new wine, you are actually talking about, and I'll show this, uh, the spirit of God being poured forth there. So Jesus said in the day, when are they going to fast? When I am taken away from them. When am I going to be taken away from them? It says, when I die and I'm raised from the dead, in that day they shall fast. So in John 16 and verse 7, he talks about the fact here. So Jesus has established When I am gone, they shall fast. Now, I want to show connection with the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come. Now, the Comforter is one that comforts those that mourn in Zion. Now, understand the word mourn is used for fasting. I will show this. He will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. So sending the Spirit unto you is all coincides with the time where the days where you shall fast. In other words, the sending forth of the Spirit and fasting, the time of the Comforter, the ministry of the Holy Ghost, and fasting, all right, it coincides as Jesus Christ himself taught. Now, if we look at the book of Luke chapter 4 and verse 20, Luke chapter 4 and verse 20. I want to show you something that Jesus did. Sorry, from verse 17. All right, Luke 4 and verse 17. The Bible says, And was, there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. So he came into the synagogue and they gave him the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now we're going to come back to this at the end. And when he had opened the book, he found a place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He said it to that point, and the Bible says he closed the book. Now Jesus is deliberate. So he opened the book, read it to that point and said, here is the end of my earthly ministry. Closed the book and gave it again to the minister and he sat down. Now, where did Jesus get the scripture? Isaiah. Put up Isaiah 61 verse 1. And let's read it in the context of it and why Jesus stopped at a point. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted. Now, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So look at this in the light of eternity, what he did in his earthly ministry, what he's doing at the right hand of the Father. He said, the Spirit of Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek, sent me to heal the brokenhearted. to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prisons to them that are bound. Then verse 2, "To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book at that point. But it continues, all right? Now, this is what he's doing now. And the day of the vengeance of our God. Because you can only take vengeance. The word means avenge me of my rights and privileges. It says, the vengeance of our God after he has shed his blood. So, comfort all that mourn. So, here's the spirit comforting those that mourn. Now, mourning is tied up to fasting. I'll show this. To appoint to them that mourn in Zion or to appoint to them that fast in Zion. So give them beauty for ashes. We'll see the word ashes also is with fasting. Oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Next verse he says, and they shall build old waste places, and they shall raise up former desolations. Now, this is not him now, the people will be raising up former desolations, his body, and building up old waste places. So, I want to build this line upon line. I'm going somewhere. So let's look at the word morning used in scripture. And you can check it later on. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 2. Daniel here said, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. mourning. there was a 21-day fast, he called for a reason. And he used the word mourning to describe it. Now he says this. What did he do when he was mourning? It was a fast. I ate no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till the whole three weeks were fulfilled. This was the 21 days he prayed that the angel came through and said, from the first day in which you prayed, your words were heard. Now, Esther chapter 4 and verse 3, when she called also for a fast. Esther chapter 4 and 3. And in every province with us, the king's commandment and his decree came, There was great mourning among the Jews. Now, they didn't lose anything. They were just mourning. There was fasting. And fasting and weeping and wailing. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So when he talks about beautiful ashes, this is what he's referring to. So let's look at a few scriptures in the book of Acts. Because I believe it's written that it's the Acts of the apostles. I heard a minister of God say this many years ago, almost 20 years ago. He said it should have been called the Acts of the Holy Ghost because it's actually the Acts of the Holy Spirit. All right? Because that part was written. I mean, people just gave it a name uh, when they were compiling the scriptures and said, this is the Acts of the Apostles. Well, it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. How do we know this? The Apostles did not do anything until the Holy Spirit came. And every time there was anything that was accomplished, it was after a fresh infilling of the Spirit. So it's really the Acts of the Holy Ghost And when we look at it that way, then we know it is not just confined to the apostles, but this is confined here or is something the Holy Spirit does. So anybody who gets filled with the Holy Ghost will also see this act and demonstration. That's why we said redefining it. So you don't think it is just for Peter, James, John and not for any other person. Now, the first day they were filled with the Holy Ghost, that the Holy Ghost came forth. Let's show fasting and the Holy Spirit here. Now, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 13, All right, it says, and others were mocking. Now, this is after the Holy Spirit was poured forth. And they said, These men are full of new wine, because the Holy Spirit is a type of new wine. That's what Jesus was saying. Now, verse 14. But Peter, standing up in the midst of the level, lifted up his voice and said, You men of Judah, and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. These folks are not drunken as you suppose, all right, seeing it is just the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, say the Lord, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. So the new one you are talking about is the Holy Spirit. And your sons and your daughters, all right, shall prophesy. Which means once there's that outpouring of the spirit, you step into the supernatural realm. You move, all right, once it happens. Your sons and daughters, you start having manifestations, shall prophesy. Your young men will start seeing visions, and your old men will begin to dream dreams. In other words, the supernatural will kick in once there's that outpouring of the Spirit of God upon people. So, um, Peter quoted it. Where did Peter take that um, prophetic word from? From the book of Joel chapter 2 and verse 28, and he says, it shall come to pass afterward. So Joel said, folks, what we're seeing here is Joel chapter 2, verse 28, when he says, it shall come to pass afterward. So that's the scripture that they knew, that they were standing on when they were waiting for the baptism of the Spirit. It shall come to pass afterwards. Jesus showed them that. That I will pour out of my Spirit. Now when he says afterwards, after what? All right, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see vision. Now, but there was something that preceded this outpouring of the spirit in Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. Because if you look at verse 1 of Joel 2.1, I'm coming here. All right, Joel two one. all right, Joel 2.1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is nigh at hand. Then it says, verse 2, it talks about a day of darkness and a day of cloud. Morning spread of great people strong. Now, this is what happened in the early church, a great people strong. They have not ever been ever the like, neither shall they be after it, even to the years of many. So, a, a, a great generation, a mighty army comes out. Now, verse 12, what? What brought this about? Verse 12. It says, therefore also now saith the Lord, turn unto me with all of your heart, with fasting and with weeping and mourning. Verse 13. It says, and rend your heart and not your garment, and turn unto the Lord your your God. And then it says in verse 28, and then afterward I will pour upon you, shall come to pass, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, And your sons and daughters, it says this, shall step into that realm, prophesy, and the old men shall dream dreams, and the young men shall see visions. All right, so let's go one step further. Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. I'm going somewhere, but I want to build it up so you see it. Acts 10.1. Now, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Now, this was the first known Gentile, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to show fasting connected to this. Now, next verse here. Now, notice what the scripture says. A devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. All the scripture says here he did was give alms and pray. Next verse. It says, he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming unto him, saying unto him, Cornelius. And he answered, next verse, he says, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers, look at this again, and thy arms have come up as a memorial before God. Therefore, sent unto Joppa and called for one Simon. His name is son name is Peter, all right? He lodged with one Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the seaside he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do to be saved. So we go to Peter, verse 9 to verse 13. So Peter was at home, and the Bible now says this, and on the morrow, that's the next day, as they went out on their journey, so they were coming to Peter's house, and drew nigh unto the city. Peter went up upon the top of the house to pray about the sixth hour. Next verse, and he became very hungry. So Peter probably was fasting. And he would have eaten, but while they made it ready, in that situation, he fell into a trance. And the scripture says, he saw the heavens open and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet, neat at the four corners and let down into the earth. Verse 12. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts in the earth, wild beasts creeping things, fowls of the air. Verse 13. It says, And there came a voice, said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. So what God was doing was convincing Peter before the Holy Spirit was doing this, before the continuous folks came that he should accept the Gentiles and go and minister the Holy Spirit or at least go and preach salvation to them. Because Peter was still operating with the old bottle, the old mindset where Jesus told them, you are only sent unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Don't go to the Gentiles so that it took some persuasion in the fast, all right, to renew his mind and for him to accept what God was about to do, right? So he accepted it, and therefore he followed them. And then in verse 28, now this is the clincher, you now hear the, listen to the conversation between Cornelius and him, verse 28 now. And he said unto them, so when he got to the house, you know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come to the house of, of another nation But God had shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. That's where the bottle was changed to be able to receive the new thing. All right, verse 29. Therefore came I unto you without gain saying, as soon as I was sent forth, I asked therefore, so it all collineous, I have come. And I ask you therefore, what intent you have sent for me? Listen to me, a Jew doesn't go to the house of a Gentile and be saying, that was a total change to the bottle. Now, before I read the next scripture, let's read verse 2 again. Now, let's read verse 2 again before I read the next thing. It says, there was a devout man, one who feared God with all his house, which gave. The two things he did was he gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. The next verse says, and when he appeared, next verse, it says, all right, and he saw in a vision the ninth hour an angel coming to him saying, Cornelius, what did the angel say? The angel said unto him, when he looked on him, he said, thy prayers and thy arms have come up as a memorial unto God. Now, we go to Acts 10 and verse 30. After Peter said what he said. Verse 30. Then Cornelius said unto him. Now, hear what Cornelius said, his account. Four days ago, I was fasting. Now, that's what Cornelius said. I was actually fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, so they prayed, you will see that Peter was on the sixth hour he was praying. You will see that he said, it was the third hour they were praying when the Holy Ghost came. You see, Cornelius, ninth hour, they prayed in watches. Six, nine, twelve, three, that's how they were praying. He said, when I prayed on the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, behold, a man stood forth before me in bright clothing. And then verse 31, and said, Cornelius, Cornelius, Thy prayer is heard, and thine arms. Now, I didn't mention the fast, but Cornelius came and said, actually, I was fasting when this happened. And then Peter preached, and as he preached, the Holy Ghost fell upon them, and they were all baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm looking at the relationship between the Holy Spirit and fasting to establish something. Then we go to the ministry of Jesus. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. All right, so I start teaching here. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. Now this after the baptism of Jesus. The Bible says, being full of the Holy Ghost, he returned from Jordan and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now the first thing the Holy Ghost led Jesus to do on this earth was to fast. The first thing the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus, that's why Jesus said, when I'm gone and the Comforter comes, they will know in that day that they shall fast. The first thing the Holy Ghost did was to tell Jesus to go and fast there. And he led him into the wilderness. eh, Before any public ministry, now that you're filled with the Holy Ghost, now he led him into the wilderness. And the Bible says in verse 2 being 40 days tempted of the devil. Now let me say this here Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. How many days were the Jews or Israelites in the wilderness? all right, before they got to the promised land, 40 days. When Jesus was here for 40 days, he did eat nothing. Now, what was the temptation, the first temptation to Jesus? They said to Jesus, the devil said to him, he said, if you are the son of God, turn this stone to bread. What Jesus quoted was a scripture that God gave the Israelites in the wilderness to hold onto, which they disobeyed. He said, I suffered you to hunger and I fed you only with manna, which is his word, that you might know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. These 40 days, I was going to take you through the wilderness fasting, that will have prepared you and you'll have been feeding on the word of God, but they refused that and I'll show you in scripture and they said, where are the tables that we had in Egypt? Can't God furnish a table as he did within the wilderness? Where are the onions? Where are the um, uh, chickens? Where is all the meat? And all of this, take us back. They did not, all right, want to do that. That was where the problem of the Israelites, actually, that's where the defeat came. And I'll show you in the Bible. So Jesus went to the Now The message, another message, another, only old timers will understand what I'm about to say, another title for this message is back to Bethel. All right. All right. Now look at what he here. So, those messages, you get quiet. Now, look at it. Being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days, he did eat nothing. And when those days were ended, afterwards, he hungered. So, he was fasting there. And the devil said unto him, if thou be the Son of God, command this stone to be bread. And Jesus said unto him, all right, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. That written here was the scripture that God gave to the nation of Israel in the wilderness. All right. So, quickly, let's go to verse 12. All right. So there were temptations there in the wilderness. And I'm going to show this here. There were temptations. Jesus overcame those temptations and he overcame, verse 13, he overcame those temptations there. All right. In the wilderness. And then he returned in power. So we see this. And when the devil had ended the temptation, he departed from him for a season. So the devil was going to come back. And when the devil showed up back again, I'm telling you that Jesus went into a fast again to deal with him. Uh, reason is the only way in which you can deal with these wilderness situations in your life. I want to show this: the way you can deal with naughty issues in your life. The strategy in Scripture. In fact, it was yesterday. I, I, I mean, it was when I was even preaching it yesterday because I, I did a, I recorded it for Channels Television. That I, I, I saw something I'd never seen before. All right. Now, that's how you, that's the way you, and I'll show this, you deal with wilderness situations right inside your life. If you don't do it, then what happens is you get overthrown in the wilderness. And I'm going to show this. All right? So, the scripture says this here. Let's go back to the scripture I put up. And when the devil had ended the temptation, he departed for a season. So, he was going to come back. And Jesus was going to meet him with the fast there. All right? And Jesus returned. In the power of the Spirit. Now, when he left, he was only full of the Holy Ghost. But now he returned in the power, the demonstrative aspect of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't just potential energy, which is just who I am in Christ. It is now kinetic energy. That is, if the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. Thank you. we look at 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. Chapter 18, verse 41 and verse 42. Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of the abundance of rain. So Elijah heard a sound. And people hear sounds about what God wants to do in their lives. But Elijah knew it is, goes beyond hearing the sound. You must translate the sound and so manifestation, the clouds must gather, rain. All right, has got to fall. We can't just have the sound of an abundance of rain. He knew his responsibility there. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. That tells us that Elijah, therefore, did not go to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Camel. And he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And then he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. He said, go again seven times. So there was persistence. He stayed there until the result came. And it came to pass on the seventh time, behold, there ariseth a little cloud, out of the sea, as a man's hand. So the man can do it the first time, second time, but it was on the seventh time it appeared. So he did that. Now Ahab, what happened to him? He went to eat and to drink. Now if you go to 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 1, we'll see it here. Moreover, brethren, he says, I will not that you should be ignorant of something. Now it was telling them New Testament stuff. All right. How that all, without exception, our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Verse 2, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Everybody, no exception. Verse 3, all did eat spiritual meat. He said "The spiritual meat they ate. Verse 4, all drank same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Then he gets to verse 5, but with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, when Jesus was in the wilderness, he wasn't overthrown. The reason why he couldn't get overthrown was Jesus entered into a fast. And that is where he started generating power to overcome in the wilderness and then came out. Now, I want to show you that what caused their problem was that God was compelling the Israelites that, listen, I can't pour new wine into old wineskins you are coming out of Egypt. If God is going to do anything new in your life, he says, I can't pour that new thing into the old winescape. He says, you will reject the suggestions that are accurate of the new things I want to do. The same way Peter will have felt he was standing on what Jesus told him. Jesus said to me, I'm only to go to the Lordship of the house of Israel, but now Jesus was saying, we are going to the Gentiles. Take the message to the Gentiles. Peter, right, struggled with it. Even in his ministry, he struggled. That's why Paul had to rebuke him at a point. He struggled with that thing. Even James, all of them labored with it, right? Now, he says, but with many of them God was not well pleased. They were overthrown in the wilderness. Now what got them, what, I'm not sure that this man refused to fast. Now these things were written as examples to the intent that we should not lost after the evil things as they lost it. Now what did they do? First thing, Neither be idolaters here, as some of them were. It is written, the people sat to eat and drink, and then they rose up to play. In other words, it was let's eat and drink. You know, Paul said something. He said, if there is no world to come, he said, then why are we like this? What did he say we we'll do? Let us eat, drink, and begin to play. Which means Paul. He said, look, I can't just behave anyhow. These guys just ate, ate drank, and rose up to play. Now, he called it idolatry because their belly was their God. In other words, listen, we, have, we need to eat what we want to eat. And they could not go on a fast in that time. That's why Jesus, the Bible says, the Satan will come back in another season. Once there is anything on the horizon, check the patriarchs. There's any threat in the environment, they call a fast immediately. Check it. Jehoshaphat, a threat in the environment, he went into a fast. And Mordecai said, there's a threat in the environment. The enemy has come again. Something seems to be going wrong here. Immediately, they go into a fast. Now, if you don't do this, then what begins to happen is people can get overthrown in the wilderness, which what happens? And then that issue is left unaddressed. Listen, you, you just may not do it. You just may be looking at it and you're going around in circles and going around and say, I say, what's going on here? You know, I had a friend who was my spiritual leader back then. And this is a very story that really touches me deep. And we used to go to a church in this city. If I call the pastor's name, most people here will know him. And one day, something happened and and we went into serious, you see, we were word guys. We didn't understand this fasting issue. All right, even though I came from scripture, it was mandatory we fast every week. But, you know, but when I came to fellowship on campus, we were just doing word, word, revelation, revelation, and all of that. We didn't understand this. So there was a threat, and the pastor told us if we're under his authority, we should shut down the fellowship we're doing, and cancel, and began to say terrible things. One day I was in service. I just want to say this so that people understand, because this generation, you upset them a bit, they go on Twitter, say the whole, tell the whole world what happened in their church on Twitter, and they're angry and not coming back to the church. The pastor was preaching, if I call his name and he saw me in the congregation, and he turned to me, and he said something about those folks that were my leaders, I can't even repeat it. I can't just. And it was, then after the message, just like I finished preaching, he signaled to me, and said, come. So I walked out. Everybody was leaving the church. And he said, come. He took me into his private office. He said, I saw you in the congregation. And I brought my knife out. And I stabbed your friends. He said, I did it because I saw you. So you go and tell them exactly what I said. All right? Go and do that. The next Sunday, I was in church. I, if you want to be doing your problem, that's your problem. You have God's word for me. I'm coming to hear God's word. Finish. All right? You didn't bring me to your church. God led me to the church. Are you following what I'm saying here? Yeah. If it's this generation, you even don't greet them once, they can start tweeting. One time I went to preach for Dr. Jordan. First time I went to preach for him. his camp meeting. He, he took, me, took us to a field. The, the, the floor, everything was, was like mud, red, red, red soil. And, you know, Fun. He said, "This is how we started." He hit my back. He said, "This is how we started." Let people understand how we started. If you fall under the power here, you must not fall in, because you don't want to go on red soil. If there's carpet and AC, then you can you can be <laughs> and they catch. You. Well, he said, "I'm not catching anybody." If you fall, fall. If you're wearing white, you, you are completed. People were there rejoicing, rejoicing. That's the depth at which things were. Now, look at what he says here. It says, it tells us there that they were overthrown. Now, this friend of mine, when he heard what happened, got into his car at that time and he was driving. Two or a second getting in that, he broke down in tears. Trust me, and him. broke down in tears. And he told me, he said, so one day he told me again when the crisis was on, he said, if only I can take out three hours just to be by myself to pray. He said, I will resolve this thing. He said, just three hours. Look, he told me, he said, three hours. He said, but you know he never did it. Let me tell you this. The day he was leaving Nigeria, about a week before he called me, he said, look, you know, because things were going on in the fellowship, he said, look, look, he said, whatever happens in this fellowship, this is what he told me. He said, I started this fellowship. After me, the only person I know that has the mantle for this ministry is you. He said, no matter what they do to you, don't leave. He, when they started playing politics, I just want to tell you, he, told, he came back from England and told the fellowship guys. He said, I want to tell you something. You are manipulating this guy and playing politics. He said, but what I see, this was 1989. What I see is that he is going to be the one that will break into ministry first in this country. He said, and if this country will know about us, that we're anointed, it's because he will decide to put us on his podium. That's how the nation and the world will know us. He said, you better be careful. 1989, but he never prayed that thing through. Two years after, another minister came into Lagos. If, if I tell you to mention four ministries in the whole of Nigeria, you call them and one of the four top ministries. He told his worship leader then, who used to be a worship leader, he said, so this is your fellow. She said, yes. He said, if your ogre did not leave Lagos, I will never have come to this city. He said, the day I heard he left, he said, God spoke to me. The vacuum he has created in Lagos, go and go and fill it. I said, when you get into a time of temptation and pressure, you withdraw yourself into a, to deal with the thing. Or so that you don't get overthrown in the wilderness. Because it says, look let's go back, there were idolaters there. Which is idolatry there. There belly was their God. You say, well I must eat, I must eat. What is at stake? It's, go and read it. What is at stake is beyond that. It says, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now after that, what now happened? Neither let us commit fornication as some committed. In other words, when they didn't deal with the issue they fornicated, all kinds of things started inside the midst of the people. Because when you can't deal with appetites, they have then every other thing begins to break loose. So to be spiritually effective, you have to take out time periodically to be alone with God, particularly in times of pressure, and to spend time in prayer, meditation, and in worship. A time of being alone with God is a prolonged season of being in the presence of God. So you just stay there. If it's eight hours, if it's six hours, whatever it is, and you can come back, and you can go home and then come back. You can do it. But you have to, that's how you do I want to show you something. I've not even got to where I'm going. There's a secret I want to show you. All right? To obtain answers, words of assurance, guidance, and you stay there in prayer until the answer shows up. Because God speaking to you is the key. Psalm 28, verse 1, it tells us, David said this, Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my grog. Be not silent unto me, lest if thou be silent, I become like them that go to the pit. He didn't say, if I don't cry to you, I go like them that, I'll be like them that go to the pit. He said, if you are silent, in other words, the distinction will come, because I heard what you have to say about the situation. So there is a definite matter you want settled, a threat that has come up, all right? I mean, someone can say, well, I'm in business and the government brought out a policy that looks like 70% of how we make our money is threatened. You quickly enter into that fast because what happens is you start money. it will give you the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit, which means you started getting heavy about something. Jesus said, I'm heavy, I'm sorrowful, nigh unto death. He told the disciples, said, look, you can get overthrown in this. Just, uh, Peter said, nothing can happen. Jesus said, you will be overthrown in this situation. He said, watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. You will be overthrown. Uh, Peter said, I cannot, what are you talking about? <laughs> Jesus said, listen, you will deny me, before the cock crows in the morning, you will have denied me thrice. A small child came to me, Peter, Peter denied Jesus. He was overthrown. He said, when you are converted, strengthen the brethren. Tell them. Or you've gone around, all right, a circle and it's just the regular thing over and over. God never wanted us just to go through tradition and go through just all of that. It's always about the supernatural, which means he poured out my spirit upon all flesh. Dreams, prophecy, all these things begin to happen. You can see Cornelius, they praying and, and God arranging things. I mean, people have sent me things during this fast that, you know, very strong results as they are getting. It's almost like everything just falls into place. Just at this time in which Cornelius was praying right there, the angel came, sent Peter also. As they were coming towards his house, God opened, prepared him. The connection was made. Angelic ministration goes on. Now, Jesus separating himself periodically was the key and I'll close with this and show this to his ministry. In fact, I found the secret to the ministry of Jesus. I have seen it. The issue is, can you pay the price? The problem with this generation they said, it's only Jesus that is paying price. They don't pay any price. Even Jesus has paid the price, you need not. Let me tell you this, I was in a ministry. Massive, one of the biggest faith ministries in the world, if not the frontline faith ministry in the world. I went to the office in South Africa. They said they wanted to come and open an office in Nigeria and then talk to faith related ministers. So I went to the office in South Africa and I sat and put me in the boardroom. The head of the ministry came out. We were talking, but I was talking to and said, All right, um, do you want to come and anything, breakfast, anything? Not that I was fasting. I had eaten and I came. So I said, You want breakfast? I said, no, 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 just give me water. And she just said, Nigerians, you can fast. Jesus has finished the walk, and there I knew the difference between American Church and Nigerian church. Look, let me say something. I know people are laugh and everything. But listen, people heard what Paula White was saying when she was an angel. Not that I agree with their political issue, but she was praying prophetically and she said, you see, some things you don't just, you people don't, you don't, are those kinds of things should not go into public sphere. And she said, now she said this, said, we call for the angels from Africa, call for from South Africa. People were laughing. I can calling angels from now. Now, when the world and the church are saying the same thing, you should know you're in error. When the world is saying the same thing as you, that is the church that has the Holy Ghost, you should know that there's something wrong. If both of you are laughing, then you should know somebody's laughter. You should know there's something wrong. What she was trying to do, it came out that way. What the woman was saying was that, The thing that we are battling, this liberal open society, this liberal issue that we are trying to fight as the church in the United States of America, there are only two territories in the world that they have it under control. South America and Africa is only where morality is still intact. Everywhere else in the world, they are completely liberal. So what she was referring to wasn't that literally she was saying an angel should come. She was saying that influence, she was that kind of thing there, that's what she was talking about. And probably what she did, and I know she did it, she called ministers in Africa and South America to do it, to help them in prayer. Go and check South America and Africa. Go and look at it. What they are doing there, they don't do in America, is they fast. Read the history of the breakthrough in South America. The man went into a fast, came out after six weeks of fasting. Go and read it. That's What she was trying to, it's not that it came out like people are saying, Let the angels, she was trying to say this thing. We have, I mean, I've been in a shop before, I won't just say it because you know, uh, people hear me all over the whole place. And somebody has told me before that if you say these kind of things, even foreign embassies hear you when you talk, so you shouldn't say something. All right, but I know I got to a place in America and I told someone she was from Dominican Republic in the shop. And I said, How do you handle this? Because she's Dominican, you in South America, they won't take all this nonsense. I said, So, how do you do it? He said, We do agree, we do agree. I said, It's like Nigeria too, we can't agree. Like we can't we take what? We won't agree. All right? Now, and what happened, and I'll show this, what happened in Nigeria? People went to Tulsa. They heard the word of faith. They heard all of that. When they got back to Nigeria, they started preaching. I've watched it. They were preaching, preaching. Then they remembered that there was a move of God in Nigeria, independent of Tulsa before people started going to Tulsa. That move was go to the mountaintop, stay there in fasting and prayer until you see God come down with power. Finish. When they preach what dissected word, preach what, dissected word, preach what, and some things they don't move. They went back to the old people, say, sir, what exactly is this move about? They told them, Oh boy, now fasting and prayer. We don't know your Greek and Hebrew, but we stay with God until God says, Go, my son, it is done. Where did they come from? Just follow Jesus here. And I'll close with this. You see the secret to Jesus' ministry. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain. That's where they get this mountain thing. Mountain just represents somewhere where you are alone, free from people. He went to the mountain apart, which means he separated himself to pray. And when evening was come, which means he probably went in the morning or after he did some things. When evening was come, he was there alone. He went to the mountain alone with God. Matthew 8 and verse 1. And when he was come down from the mountain, that's alone with God by himself, multitudes, what's the key to this? He said the multitudes is a reflection of my personal separation from people. Alone, that's where, that's the secret. Something happens there that causes the multitudes to come. Now, so let me show you what happens when he's on the mountain. First Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. Now, 2 Peter 1 and 18. Now, Peter said this. We have not followed, sorry, um, verse 17. He said we have not, 16, right. We have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and the coming of you, he said we didn't, we didn't use cunningly devised fables. We were, you, you, you can use cunningly devised fables and be telling stories that are not completely true, all right? just to entice people and do fake things. He said, but we didn't use that. When we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. What was Peter saying? He said, we were, he wasn't talking about when he was doing healings. He said, I saw the majesty of Jesus. I actually saw it. I saw the secret of Jesus. I saw his majesty. What was he referring to? He now said, for he received from God Honor and glory. When there came such a voice unto him from excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Next verse, 18. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him on the Holy Mount. Now, I'll show you this. Jesus, on one occasion, said, Peter, James, and John, follow me to the mountain. I want you to see what happens when I'm alone in the mountain before I descend. He said, when we got there, we saw the majesty of Jesus. You see all these ones you're saying? You haven't seen Jesus' secrets. We saw his majesty. A voice came from heaven. All right? No, please, go back to it. I'm not here yet. Right? Majesty from heaven there. All right? Let's go back there. We heard the word on the Holy Mount there. So, when we we're on the Holy Mount, next verse, it now says, Verse 19, and we have also a more sure word of prophecy. He said, now, you guys have a more sure word of prophecy. Since you, Jesus is no longer around. You can't go to the mountain with him. But you have his word. Whereunto you do well to take it as a light that shines in a dark place. Which means the light has come out. You've heard the sound of the abundance of rain. He said, until the day dawns. Which means do this thing until the day dawns. The day will dawn and the day star will arise in your heart. Which means you can get light but let daytime come. That thing must become daytime for you to start having manifestation. So, what was he saying? All right, let's go there. Final scripture, we close with this. Now you see it. Let's go there then. You put up the scripture. Uh, Matthew 71. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and John, his brother, and bring them up to the holy mountain apart. Now, Peter was talking about this experience. This is what he was saying. He said, follow me. I need to show you something before I go. Verse 2 and he was transfigured before them. In other words, that's the majesty he saw. He said, when we got there, you see this Jesus you see Uh, here. He said, when we got to the mountain, he changed, and we saw. He says, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. Now, the only other person this happened to was Moses when he descended from the mountain, and he was radiating glory. And what did he come from? He too did a 40-day fast. That's where the radiation came. That's where the light came. Now, look at the next thing here. And behold, there appeared unto him, Moses, Elijah, talking with him. Verse 4. Then Peter said, Lord, Jesus, Lord, is it good for us? If... No, no, Peter, very forward. All right. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah. I don't know who asked him. Verse 5. And while he yet spake, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. That's what Peter was referring to in 2 Peter. Now, what was God saying? God was saying, Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophet. I'm trying to tell you guys, Jesus is the real deal. He said, Hear what Jesus says. Anything he says is superior to anything. He says, Hear Jesus. That was where God mandated them. That's why when people say that gospel is Old Testament, what Jesus said is no longer. I don't understand where people read the Bible. All right. Now, and what? Oops, all right. Hear you him now. Next verse. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and they were so afraid. Now, verse seven. And the Bible says, and Jesus came down, touched them, said, arise, don't be afraid. Verse eight. And He says, and when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man except Jesus. Verse nine. That's the man just. They saw something. And they came down from the mountain. So as they were coming now. Now, they understood when Jesus came down from the mountain, it's not that he went to the mountain, came down, all right? There was an encounter. He came down from the mountain. Jesus charged them, make sure this vision you tell no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And then told them what he will suffer and all of that. Go to verse 13, all right? So, verse 13. And his disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. Verse 14, now quickly. And when they were come to the multitude now, there came to him a certain man kneeling to him, saying, And now down and said, Have mercy on my son, for his lunatic soul vex. Oftentimes he falleth into fire and oftentimes into water. Verse 16, And I brought to thy disciples, now these are disciples without Peter, James, and John. They were in there and they could not cure him. Verse 17, And Jesus answered, O faithless and perverse generation, how long am I going to be with you? All right, how long shall I suffer you? Bring him that to me. Verse 18, and Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed from him and the child was cured from that. Ah, Verse 19, and he says, Then came the disciples to him apart and said, Jesus, why could we not cast out the devil? Peter, James, and John must have stood back. Say, <laughs> I know why you couldn't cast the devil out. <laughs> you think this Jesus you are seeing is as he is. Next verse, look at what Jesus said. And Jesus said, because of your own Then he taught a word of faith, but he didn't just leave word of faith. If you are just teaching word of faith, you'll be trying to use word of faith. It will not work. He says, verily, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, remove yonder under place and shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it, this kind goeth not, except by what? Prayer and fasting. In other words, when I went to that mountain, I was fasting. And it was during that fast, I was transfigured. That's where encounter, that's where I heard the voice. And it came down to the problems and said, that's it. That's the secret to the ministry of Jesus Christ. The secret to his ministry was that he had encounters with God in praying and fasting. He overcame things in praying and fasting. He he heard the voice of God praying and fasting. His mind was renewed. He was transfigured in praying and fasting. That is how Jesus did what he did on the earth. That I just shared is the secret to Jesus' ministry. You will keep going in seconds. And you often time you wonder what Christianity is about. Alright? If you don't withdraw and take time. And That's the message. We were laughing at people when they were saying back to Bethel. We used to laugh at them that they don't have revelation. But all the people that preach back to Bethel, all of them are the ones with great ministries. Those that left Bethel. <laughs> so I urge you to uh, go back to where? Bethel. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we ask by your grace that this word takes root and bears forth fruit in our lives personally and in this church, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.